Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 28th of April 2019. I woke yesterday morning to snow, another dump of snow, not much mind you, but it's quite interesting to watch the the cooling of the planet as far as I can see it from my point of view in northern Ontario and it's been one heck of a winter as I've said before and everyone's certainly suffering through their wallet never mind anything else because the wallet itself is going to pay for your fuel and and so on so there you go that's our, our and of course they're going to tell us again that we've had the warmest winter probably for, since the last 150 maybe 2000 years who knows they, they've got the habit of just putting their finger in the wind and uh, coming out with these incredible statements but they're they're scary statements you see because we've got to be terrified and hand all authority over to the specialists you see could you hand it all over to them so they can save you? And I just noticed the other day too, I'm paying taxes with the carbon taxes already in it. And a fancy name to it, of course. They don't call it just carbon tax. Nice fancy name to it. And it sounds all user-friendly and, and population-friendly, etc., etc. And yet the whole agenda for, for the, the, as you know, for the promotion of the, the big fear-mongering to get the world united under a common enemy, which is ourselves apparently, is to is to terrify us and so we do give our rights up. So that the specialists can basically convince us. It doesn't take much, you know, to convince people to do what they want you to do if it's done in the proper way. It's quite easy actually. It's quite easy. I'll put up to a link to the so-called mentalist or hypnotist Darren Brown from Britain, who does some really good shows. Apparently, he does it the mass hypnosis, etc., by using techniques with which neuroscientists are well aware of, and the behaviorists are well aware of too. And of course, all intelligence agencies are incredibly well aware of because they're taught how to influence human behavior. Uh, very quickly, techniques to me happen very quickly. And when you have people coming in to say motivational courses for for salesmanship or whatever it happens to be called, uh, they're already giving up their their will to an extent, a great extent for most of them anyway. Uh, to whoever is going to be the the person that flaps their arms around in front of them and uh, and convinces them that they know what they should be doing, etc. You're already giving your will over to a basically a hypnotist. It's sad, too, to, to realize that it's, it is rather easy to encourage people to do what you want them to do. Everybody wants to be part. So once you get a crowd together, every, pretty well everyone wants to be part of that crowd. In fact, the Delphi Techniques users, the ones who use it and push it and, and promote it, they're taught, the, the, the leaders are taught how to, to get all the group on board with uh, whoever the government wants, even local governments. You can hire them, in fact. And they come in and have a little ad in your paper held in the, the, the meetings to be held in the local hall, blah, blah, blah. And they go in there and the person's, they're trained to be pleasant, you see, like a good psychopath would be. And some of them are actually psychopaths. And because their job is to lie to you and to get you to, to agree to something that perhaps you shouldn't agree to. But they make it sound all wonderful and have plants in the audience already set up there. And so if someone starts asking awkward questions for them, like, well, are you sure this program's going to benefit us? It's maybe going to benefit some corporation instead or something. Immediately, these plants will stand up, oh, shh, and boo, and make you out to be a troublemaker. 
These are simple techniques that are awfully effective to sway the rest of the crowd. And before you know it, the crowd would say, yeah, yeah, sit down, you know, don't, don't harass this nice, man, this nice man or this nice woman who's, who's, who's telling us what we should be knowing, you see. It's very easy to do. And then you had, in this brown particular one, this they all put up, the link in a way, he, he actually had supposedly hypnotized a few of the people in the room who attended this conference uh, or this lecture on how to, to basically become robbers, to rob a kind of security van with money in it with a fake gun, and they follow right through. They pick, I think, three at the end, and they, they, they follow through with it too. But you'll see the techniques in a very simplistic form, of course, and of how they, they go through with it. There's a certain element, of course, of question mark in all of this, because in, in hypnosis generally, in hypnosis, those who become hypnotized in a, in a sense want to be to an extent. There are techniques to prompt you and to motivate you, like I, like I said, in the Delphi technique, by using basic human instincts and behavior, where you all want to conform and be part of a happy little group, you see. And you will call down someone who asks the, 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 proper, the proper questions that are going to upset the person who's trying to push change. But... Uh, when you, if it's so simple to, to create a, a group like this uh, particular Darren Brown's show did, then you understand that this can be used on a much larger scale, and it is used on a much larger scale through media and through inserts of the same repetition, repetitive little one-liners, basically, generally one-liners, to save the economy, to save the world, to save the college, to save, to save, to save, you see. And you, you, until you're just, you'll, you'll, you'll part it in your sleep. And before you know it, you're being conditioned quite quite easily. Until eventually, it's, it's almost like her- heresy to go against it. And literally, that's how it's been formed. You, well, I don't believe that at all. I don't see that happening. Well, that's heretical. And you're attacked as, a, as an heretic by the authorities too, which will back up this because there's a big, big world agenda riding on this whole future, this planned future. But again, even in the Darren Brown one, this particular show, he shows you a little sequence where they actually send some of the ones that they're selected for hypnosis and going through with this fake robbery, where they use a Milgram experiment, where the people think they're actually shocking a person in a different room who get answers wrong, and, and they up the voltage every, every time there's a wrong answer. And the person who's doing it gives authority to the person in the white coat that tells them, oh, go ahead and flip that switch and up the voltage. And the person will say, but, but they're getting hurt by this. And as long as someone else in a position of authority takes responsibility, that, that you'll go through with it. Most folk will go through with it and flip the switch, even though it goes up to what would really be a, a deadly voltage. Some of them actually go through with this. Just to prove that people will follow orders because it's, it's a human nature for most people to follow orders from a person in authority who technically will take responsibility, you see. And that's why you find horrific things happening in the world by people who will torture and so on and do all the nasty stuff for governments of all, all countries as long as someone else is taking responsibility for it. Mind you, there are psychopaths who like it anyway. And they're also recruited, by the way. Government has a way of, of uh, sussing out who the psychopaths are and have tests for it. And some very accurate tests, not just the ones they use in prison for prisoners, but they have ones for the military. And 
I remember years ago there was a good documentary put out on the submarine bases in Britain, in Scotland actually, I think, where they had a, a journey around the bay, some of these submarines, and they actually asked the commander, how did they select the ones, the two guys who have the keys, who put, insert the, the keys simultaneously, one has a key each, and they're the guys who, who set an arm the, the missiles, the submarine, for use for actual firing. Because you can imagine a lot of folk would crack up with it. They would at the last minute. You'd crack, think, my God, you know, I'm going to kill maybe thousands, maybe millions of people by firing these particular atomic weapons. So they have ones picked, and the ones that they say they're very accurate, uh, how they pick them. They pick psychopaths. For those who don't know that, <laughs> they actually pick psychopaths. And psychopaths, there's different categories of them too. There's lazy psychopaths, there are very ambitious psychopaths, there's all kinds of them. So the ones who are quite content going along with extra privileges and so on, bigger money than the average uh, able-bodied seaman would get. And they have more authority than some of the rest of them too. They're quite content, and they'll also give, give their allegiance to someone who pays them awfully well, much bigger, much better pay rates than, than, than seamen. They're quite content with it. They'll do it. They'll follow it right through to, to the end and actually fire a real, the real thing if need be. So they're psychopaths. Most folk live in Disneyland, don't they? We're trained to live in Disneyland where everything's wonderful and serene at the top, where our masters just weave in and out of this strange, complex system of ruling over us, really, and managing us at the same time. And we are being ruled. That's the difference between a so-called democratic government and uh, a dictatorial government. We're, we're being ruled regardless because when you have big agendas at work uh, using techniques, including from school age, getting a, t- a type of brainwashing in certain must-be programs, uh, then, then sure, you're being ruled. You know, that's not democratic involvement. That's rulership. Rulership is very different from democracy. And people forget that too. But we're, we're trained to put this, this, you know, close our eyes and sit back and these, all these better people who come out of better wombs, special wombs, can govern you or manage you all and rule you and take care of all the big problems. And that's how it's done, isn't it? And the real world is vastly different from how we're trained. The ones above you, when you meet some of them, actually, they're very straightforward and within their own groups of what they're going to say. Uh, they're not so guarded as everybody, you know, you, you think they're amongst themselves. But if they think you're one of them too, it can happen as well. But they can be very, very open about the system. And, and, and they laugh, they would laugh at you if you, if you came up with the Disney statements. They, they, they literally have no illusions about the world or the positions in the world that they have themselves and how they help to govern and rule everything uh, unseen by the public, in fact, and even unknown by the public that even exist. But they certainly are there. And of course, Carl Quigley talked about what he called the oligarchy. You find it long before that too. You find that Aldous Huxley called them the same kind of thing. They're ruling oligarchy, a dominant minority at the top. A scientific elite ruling on behalf of the dominant minority. And, and on the way down, the whole different category after category. Very much like Plato's Republic to an extent. And how they'd have literally select breeding programs for different ruling classes, including military classes as well. But that exists, it does exist on a high level, and it's been there your whole life, it's been there long before 
your grandparents were born. We're living through an agenda, as they say. Now, there, there are some variables in the agenda, like, like should we go to war with this group physically? Should we go to war with this group economically? Or blah, blah, blah. There's different ways you can achieve your objective, and sometimes they'll cho- choose one over the other. But the, the goal is always the same. Always the same. I look, for instance, at uh, just an article on Syria. I'll put the links up, of course. But uh, the, the article on Syria was about uh, how it's really in an economic shambles. And it would take about $240 billion, literally, to try and get it back up on any uh, sustainable footing again after all these wars that the West's been heavily supporting, along with other countries too. And... But but yeah, it's economically. Uh, don't forget, economics warfare is one of the the biggest forms of warfare there is. That's why you put sanctions on people, and and warfare itself, real warfare, physical warfare, also demands reconstruction and and fixing of infrastructure, etc., etc. So sustained warfare brings it right down. So there are many ways to achieve your objective. And Syria was on the list, of course. Uh, that were put out back in the 90s by the by the PNAC group. And uh, that was General Clark said, uh, he said there was a whole bunch of countries on that list, in fact. Quite a few of them, I've, I've, done, I've given talks on them years ago. But anyway, you're living through incredible, incredible uh, agendas. And many of them you will never understand anyway. It's not meant to understand them. Uh, and of course, you suffer from the consequences of them too. But you've got to understand who does benefit. Always look who, who benefits from it all and what's the long-term strategy of all, too. When you go back even to the earlier times, as I've mentioned before, of those who openly talked about world government uh, in, the, in the 19th century, and even before, but the 19th century, I'm far more open about it with the revolutionary movements, and, of course, the, the, all the, the, the people who backed and helped promote the League of Nations at the end of World War I and to get that up and running as, as an embryo of world government, a kind of parliamentary system, very much like um, you had with Lockley Hall, the poem in Lockley Hall, to do with uh, the Parliament of the World. That was the idea and the hope of many of the, the, the intergenerational revolutionaries uh, we truly are living in, in quite a system, in fact, when you watch it all materialising through covert actions. Um, but they always achieve their goal eventually, don't they? Today, it's the... it's the you, You'll find, like, Jack Satali, for instance, a, a big player. Not not Jack Lull, but Jack Satali. Uh, Jack Satali is... Uh, he probably is more up there amongst the oligarchic... Uh, Helpers at the very top, at the very least, he was called a Sherpa by Mitterrand when he was uh, behind Mitterrand in France. In fact, he literally was the boss, it said, by many of the folk in France of about three different presidents, including the present ones, for those who don't know it too. He, 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 Atali boasts about helping to get Macron in and, and Holland before him. 
and Italian is way up at the United Nations too, and he's got big, intense, massive input with big investments across the world too for investment companies economically. So he's a big player in all of this. He was he, he was in a, an article a few years ago for other <laughs> nefarious things from France. A few folk were charged with something. Um, and but anyway, I don't know what happened with that that thing. I probably got off with it, I betcha, because he got so much clout. But you should look into him and his writings because he's he's really quite open about world government. Um, winners and losers in the new world order was you know that's one of the subtitles of uh, one of his books, in the Millennium, and and a follow up to it to another book after it too. But he's he's rather open about the, the big agenda. And how massive corporations that are all running running the world now, but in about two thousand two thousand and six, I think he, he said that uh, these massive corporations are a form of world government. They can force governments to go along with them. They they can uh, they're so they've got so much clout. These big corporations, they can blackmail. His words are actually blackmail um, uh, um, governments of countries. Uh, and newspapers to go along with what they want them to promote economically and and uh, have positive reviews on things they want to have positively reviewed. And he also talked about the technology would help bring in world government as we come interfaced across the whole planet, connected together in a sense, and through technology. And we'll be self-surveilled with surveillance and will be sur- surveyed as well. Surveil- will be surveilled by our own governments, and eventually a world government as well, as more and more power is put into central massive computers for the planet, basically. And it's really all here, isn't it? And he talked about the fact that the economic powers of very, very rich institutions in the hands of the oligarchs would rule the planet in a, in a, in a more efficient way than ever before. And you'll find, as he's, and he's quite right with this, I've noticed it for years and I've talked about it for years, that governments, when you see governments across the world doing the same things at the same time, passing the same laws at the same time, uh, and even uh, shedding governmental departments to privatize at the same time, then you realize you're already in a form of world government. Of course you are. Of course you are. And he said the same thing in his books, and in his statements he's put out in little writings and so on, uh, he's, he's been quite open about the fact that these companies uh, will basically be, you give up, they, they are a, a different form of government already. What they want is total surveillance of the society of every single individual from birth to death and the right to, to basically alter all their lives by having you move wherever, you, wherever they need you to work um, etc, etc I mean, it's, it's a It's a very cold, mechanistic system We're all numbers now, we're not people anymore And if, you're, if, you're, if you are people at all you're, you're into somebody's and nobody's He calls them winners and losers But you're somebody's or, or nobody's That's simply how it is It's a, it's a truly um, it's, it's a true Financial Capitalist Class system with with no apologies, that's what it is. And really, it's all here, isn't it? It's all here. When you look at all the the things that went on before, through your entire life, in fact, and before, 
you're born of the, the, the massive think tanks with, their, with what they've published themselves and people who participated in these different think tanks who published articles and books over many, many years. And you see it all happening. Um, maybe 20 years from the time you read the thing or 30 years sometimes. And you're living through it all and you realize that, that what does this mean about democracy? When any, any force at all even the passive force who simply, you know, wants a vote on something is denied that vote to get anything done. For then you realize your democracy is a big, big joke. Of course it is. I mentioned it before how when you're given a vote for something and it doesn't go along with the big agenda, they simply then ignore it. Like the folk who didn't want super cities to amalgamate all the different little cities around a bigger one, like Toronto. And the folk were given the vote by whatever council it was, or Queen's Park maybe for the for the government of Ontario. But anyway, they, they, I don't know which one gave them the vote, but they did vote for it, and people didn't want it. And they voted against it by quite a good margin. But the ones who managed it all and the authorities said, well, we didn't have to give you the vote anyway, so we're just going to ignore it. That literally was in the newspapers at the time. And you get the Brexit thing from Britain. It's the same thing too. So... You don't have really democracy at all. You have lots of agendas that are still underway and have to be fulfilled, some of them. More to come after that as well. And you have your big promotion groups that promote everything. But you don't have a real say in important things that matter to you. In fact, you're distracted by lots of deliberately put out topics and things to distract you forever. Where it's meaningless data, meaningless data, that's all it is. And seeing photographs with the oohs and ahs and oh, did you know? Look at that ooh ah. Oh. It, it's all it's all managed that way for you to distract you. Quite something, eh? So we're living through it, and I'll just touch on some of the things that Brzezinski has said. He was a good promoter of it all because he again was way up there at the CFR and Trilateral Commission too. And help plan the future amongst the big for the big think tanks for the all nations and the and so-called allied, <laughs> if we call them allied anymore, our western side of the world. But he he talked about the technotronic era in his book Between Two Ages, awfully good book if you if you want to get into it. And it's it was written in the nineteen seventies, and in it in the book he talked about how the system was and where it was going to be taken. In the technotronic era, where you'd have uh, a controlled society through technology. And he says a technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite. You know, the elite is, the, again, uh, it's, it's on behalf of the dominant minority. Because it's unrestrained by traditional values. Traditional values, you see. In other words, whatever you think is right and wrong and moral or anything, no, no, they've got their own own version of what's moral for themselves. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. Remember, this is 1970s, when you thought it was all about the Cold War. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. The authorities, there you go. Didn't say from government or agency, the, the authorities, you say. 
Here's another paragraph that Brzezinski put out on on uh, his vision of the future, basically. Another threat less overt but no less basic confronts liberal democracy. More directly linked to the impact of technology, it involves a gradual appearance of a more controlled and directed society. That's what we're in right now is the big chapter of that. It's kicked in big time. Such a society would be dominated by an elite whose claim to political power would rest on allegedly superior scientific know-how. Well, we're getting bombarded with for giving all our rights up right now. Hmm? Unhindered by restraints of traditional liberal values, this elite would not hesitate to achieve its political ends by using the latest modern techniques of influencing public behavior and keeping society under close surveillance and control. Under such circumstances, the scientific and technological momentum of the country would not be reversed, but actually feed on the situation it exploits. Well, you tie that in with, again, Jacques Attali, who talked about this, this elite, and who seemed to be, as far as I can tell, for it. And Cass Sunstein put out his book called Nudge, because he's, he's really into influencing the public by all the psychological techniques possible by using internet on the public and when in real time as you're watching it. And I've done the talks on it recently, not so long ago, at least with, with, with the behavioral insights teams, that all your governments are now using to change your, have you change your opinions on things and to direct you on what you should be looking at on the internet and so on. You're being nudged all the time. Big money to these, and they're, they're neuroscientists and psychologists and behaviorists that are full-time employment, hundreds of them, in every country, and they literally decide, uh, and they work with the big, big tech companies to nudge you into looking up what they want you to look at when you, when you punch up certain topics. They want to direct you away from what you maybe heard about or maybe you wanted to look at into something else to change your opinion. Well, Jack Satali is all for that kind of thing, which is, is really here in full force today. For instance, I don't have anything set on my computer where they can actually tell me what to go and look at. Where they'll say, well, for instance, uh, on your browsers, people who looked at this also looked at that. I don't go for that at all. I, I know what I'm going to look for in the first place, and nothing's going to sway me for it. That's what you, how you've got to do it. Because you will. You'll be diverted so easily. They know your psychology. You've, you've all got your personality profiles. I think we're down pad. Instant retrieval for these behavioral insights teams. Instant retrieval. And they know that they can put something in there as you're looking for something of, say, a hobby you're into, or if you're a musician, you're into music, and they'll immediately grab you and off you go. And you, about two hours later, you wonder where you went and why you went there. It's quite easy to do it. And just like, the, like I said, the Delphi technique of persuasion and getting a... Because the government send out these people to... And so did big businesses where they want to come into your old township and say, you know, if we built this here, we could actually improve your economy and we could help you here and help you there and blah, blah, blah. If you only give up a bit of your land and a bit of this and a bit of that, that's how it's done. A bit of your rights put that way too. And, and as I say, they're, they're experts at actually diverting any criticism that anybody comes up and, and who knows their facts. 
and they've got plants in the audiences to the Delphi Technique. And knowing that the ones in the front row will, will like this, this person to present, it's like a teacher thing, the apple for the teacher types. Oh, shut up and let the man speak, you know, and let's present her speech. It's nice, I like the man. And that's and they'll, they'll criticize if you stand up with the real facts and say, wait a minute here, here's all the other facts you're not talking about here. They use the audience against someone who's got some facts. That's a Delphi technique. Very persuasive, very, very well done, very professional. But using basic human nature and, and behaviorism. So this is the same kind of thing here. It's all through society today. You've, you've been subject to it your whole life long. If you watch television, you're constantly having your opinions made for you. And, you, and it's through emotions. If you, if you get emotionally involved in a topic, you've lost the game. Sorry. That, that's one of the first lessons to teach the people at the top. Get your emotion involved. Once you're emotionally involved in something, you'll, you've, you've lost it. All, when reason's out the window, someone's using you. Quite, it's quite easy to do. Brzezinski let a lot of cats out the bag. We're still you know, analyzing it today, of course. He's one player, and of course, there's many, many more. He's also said persisting social crisis, the emergence of a charismatic personality, which are giving you all the time, all these super philanthropist type characters or the Bill Gates characters. You see, you give it, they're created for you. This is a new form of government, if you understand, or governance as like to call it, by using these characters. What are they? They're, they're, they're businessmen. Heavily funded by us, our tax money, and the public-private ventures. So, but they give me, oh, and they write up these great, they make stars out of them, you understand? There's a star making machine, and they make stars out of these. The first one that came out with John Brockman, but he did it for scientists to make them follow. So you'd follow scientists and start thinking there were some sort of geniuses, so you should follow them and take their opinions on everything. And it works awfully well. So charismatic personality and the exploitation of mass media to obtain public confidence would be the stepping stones to the in the piecemeal transformation of the U.S. into a highly controlled society. Now, years ago, I put out links and did some talks on the Rees Commission, the U.S. Congress's Rees Commission, authorized to send Norman Dodd and some other commissioners or, or congressmen to investigate the tax-free foundations, the big, uh, like the Carnegie Ford Institutes and so on. And Rockefeller ones, they fund thousands of NGOs across the world and influence all countries and their, their politics and, and direct the world agenda, the world agenda, the planetary world agenda, of course it does. And it was to find out why these rich billionaires really uh, that ran things, who set up these foundations, who, had, who owned the industry of the U.S. pretty well, and a good part of the world, seemed to be promoting what seemed to be communism. And so they did their inquiries into it, and uh, Dodds talks about it, and he said, yeah, I actually put the links up where he has an audio from going back on it, reflecting what he was told by the head of the Ford Foundation at the time, I think it was taken over by maybe the Rockefeller or one of the other ones eventually at that time. Anyway, the Ford Foundation, the Philanthropic Foundation, supposedly, um, the CEO said, or the head of it said, uh, he said our job is to literally um, merge the two systems together, that of communism, the Soviet system, through schooling and so on, 
in politics with the West. So the two systems were combined. And he was told that quite blatantly and, 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 and quietly, so much so that it kind of shocked him to realize that this is what they admitted they were working towards, bringing the two systems together. Awfully important because if you understand that Tony Blair with international socialism, and don't forget what Lenin said, I think it was Lenin said that communism is only socialism in a hurry, you see. The, the goal is eventually the same. But uh, when, you, when you look at the systems that they were pushing for, for merging the two together, that's pretty well what uh, Carl quickly talked about too. He said the organization that he was in was pushing the same kind of thing. World governmental systems were being pushed and eventually combined with each other. And that was the goal. Today we call it globalism. It's all, it's all the same thing, really. And, of course, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations, was a big part of that, going all the way back to Lord Alfred Milner, when it was simply known as the, the Milner Group, or, or, or Milner in Kindergarten, where his students were trained to run the British Empire. The U.S. took it over and promoted it through League of Nations and the United Nations, and... And they set up the World Bank, the IMF, and the Bank for International Settlements. They're all powerful institutions that they help run the world. In fact, they promote a lot of <laughs> what's happening in the world and pay for it too. At least we pay for it all through our tax money. But uh, very powerful institutions. And um, they set up the United Nations as well. So, quickly said that we, meaning the CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs, this is we're often mistaken for communism That's why this inquiry was initiated in the first place And he says we're often mistaken for communism Because our goals are very much the same And that's what it is That's what we're really in It's, a, it's um, positive freedom and negative freedom Tony Blair went to his, one of his mentors His main mentor is Isaiah Berlin And he asked him, he says Is it possible to combine like the percentage-wise, how much positive freedom and negative freedom. And that's what they're talking about. The system you're in today, if you notice, your rights have been stripped away. You're all under something that, that revolutions would have been fought over and, and not so long ago. And that's the, the elimination of all privacy. That's a, 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 such a personal, important right is to have personal privacy, folks. And under the guise, there's always a necessity for terrorism. You see, necessity, they can take everything away from you. And this happened again. And it's, it's, that is the agenda. Because you're now in a system where they'll still tell you you're free. And, and a lot of folk will still believe in, you know, because you can go out shopping. That's what they, they say freedom is. But in reality, you've lost so many rights, so many rights. And you're losing them all the time. And you've been trained to accept it's all quite normal. Look, look at people. Look at people around you. How they just dish out their names and addresses and all the rest of it to any cashier that asks them uh, for, for to get some points in a card or something or a slight discount on a, on a product or whatever in stores. They think nothing of it. Well, that, that's the end of it. When folk don't value their privacy, it's finished, folks. Early finished. And they're making it impossible for to, to, to even survive in the system now and have any privacy at all. It's to go completely electronic with everything. And 
a lot of companies won't even accept checks anymore, or they're trying to dissuade you from having checks. You used to get bills at one time, they'd send you the bill and an envelope to send it back with. That was all part of it. That was a part of the little cost, not much at all, because all businesses are supposed to have operating costs. They don't want that anymore. They want pure profit, and they want you to do all the work. You go in the grocery store, you, you fill up the, the, the baskets yourself, you, you, you get the things, you take them to the check counter, you do the packing in the checking counter. You, you do it all yourself. You do all the work. And then you have to buy plastic bags if you, if you use plastic bags. So what's the cost of operating? You've just saved them stacks and stacks of money to get even more and more profit. There's no such thing as a decent profit. It's just sky's the limit. Pure greed. And it's going to get a lot worse. But right now, as I say, Jack said, Tally especially, was all for this whole system. I thought it was wonderful. I'm sure he's got lots of investments in it too. But... uh, you're looking at a system of total management. That those who are who are winners, as Italy calls them, and those who are losers—that's all the rest of you, the bulk of you. That's what he means by this. When you read, read his writings, that's what he's telling you. It isn't just to do with high-speed internet. No, it's much, much more than that. And as I say, Brzezinski is quite well aware of it too. Getting back to this this merging of the Soviet system and the West, you see. This is what Brzezinski said about the regionalization. They call it regionalization, right? Well, regionalize different places like the European Union. Then NAFTA was to unite the whole of the Americas, by the way. I gave a talk now years ago. It wasn't just a free trade thing again any more than the European Union was just about free trade. It's total amalgamation. And they wanted to even set up a parliament in 2005. That came out on the news in Canada by participants in, the, in this um, get-together for the Three Amigos. For NAFTA, and they said that they'd even thought about, even discussed casually, uh, possibly set up a parliament in Montreal for the whole of the Americas. But they had a, a bit of a backlash from the US, so they went back to pretending they're asleep a bit. They don't sleep, folks. It's always been the agenda, very old agenda. There's some of this, there's some of that, there's some of the Americas, etc., etc. <laughs> anyway, very old agenda. All the way back again to, as I say, Alfred Milner, and probably before him too. But regionalization, right? So here's Brzezinski. It says, this regionalization is in keeping with the trilateral plan, right? That's what he also was a member of, which calls for a gradual convergence of East and West. See, East and West, getting back, Norman Dodd, the Rees Commission, East and West, right? Ultimately leading towards the goal of one world government. This is, this is not conspiracy. Like, I, I tell you, I mean, look up just, World government on Wikipedia and this thing called this thing called Wikipedia, right? <laughs> because for years everybody would, would laugh at you for just mentioning any of this stuff. Because if they're mainstream media and and the big talking faces are paid big money to stay on, even when they're dying on that chair to tell you the truth, the most trusted whatever whatever country you're in, is how they present their news. It's because, again, getting back to the Milgram thing, people in positions of authority, when they say something, you'll listen. You're trained that way from school onwards. And they'd laugh at you. Oh, ha-ha, world government. Oh, how crazy conspiracy nuts. And again, that's put out by the authorities and that your governments are involved in, in, in creating world government to ridicule you. That's standard stuff. Standard stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
But now, even in Wikipedia, this is a big share of scoffing, they've got a history of it now. now. It's amazing. You see, that's how folk that laughed at you suddenly accept all. They'll talk about it quite casually. There's a little that always believed and always known it when it's actually getting spoken about by people in authority. But until it's done that way by person in authority, they'll laugh at you. Oh, <laughs> you're in that case. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, this regionalization is in keeping with the trilateral plan, which calls for a gradual convergence of East and West, ultimately leading towards the goal of one world government. National sovereignty is no longer a viable concept by Zygmunt Brzezinski. Hmm? NSA and the whole bit, and, and he's way up there with all the different uh, military organizations for the U.S. Hmm? It wasn't a, just some casual person who liked to dream a lot and, and part what he dreamt. No, this guy was a, a, a planner and a mover and shaker. To resolve conflicts, excessive ambitions and one's own fears and aspirations must be sacrificed. No kidding, eh? Mm-hmm. I tell you. And getting back to Brzezinski again, and he was way up there as a saying. I think he's one of the, one of the many characters who take that role as national security advisor and so on. But he said technology will make available to the leaders of major nations techniques for conducting secret warfare, of which only a bare minimum of the security forces need be appraised. Techniques of weather modification can be employed to produce prolonged periods of drought or storm. That was the 1970s. They already had the technology then. The whole thing is never forget that what you're living through right now is is like waves coming in and hitting you from that were set long ago. And as they're coming in to hit you, uh, those who make the waves happen are, are already way ahead with, with, with the, not just the planning, but the, the setting of dates and so on for the, for the waves of the future to come in with certain things to be done the same way. That's how it really, really works. And when you're alive, you're trained not to see the look ahead to the future waves that are already getting, as I say, managed and ready to go down the road. You're meant to think that we're just stumbling along down through time and things just happen by themselves. Nothing is further from the truth. Nothing at all. One thing Karl Marx said that was really, really true is this all, all money and... and uh, Profit really comes from from labor. All wealth comes from labor, and we are the masses. Understand, we are the business, and the ones who the, the ones who live off of us live better than us ourselves. You see, those who manage us and uh, and and do all the as we call it the sums about finances and so on that we that uh, from the money that we're making. Uh, uh, they live better than we'll ever live. We are the business. And when you can make it mandatory that everyone must pay this, must pay that, and and etc., that, that's an incredible power to make sure that you're going to be awfully stinking rich for you and your, your own down the road for those at the top, isn't it? And also, too, don't forget the other statement he made, too, which is very true. You think of bio-warfare, you think of all the other... Uh, techniques they can use today, and even silent weapons they can use, like silent weapons for quiet wars or 
and, and things like that. Is in early times it was easier to control a million people than to kill a million. Today it's infinitely easier to kill a million people than to control a million. But even at that, though, I think it's I think the techniques are so fantastic today of controlling us all. They don't even have to think about just killing us. They can sterilize us quietly. Well, most folk won't complain about it. They'll think it's just... It's, it's odd that how they just accept things, like, like autism suddenly. There's a suddenness. It's a normal thing, right? <laughs> and cancers of all kinds are suddenly normal. And Because you, you're told by again experts what they think is important. If they don't mention this is important, then you, neither will you. In fact, you'll deny what you see yourself. Because they have made a big deal of it on the, on the television, on the news. Now think about it too. You, you, the warfare going on, right? The war on terror that, that's to be here forever now, you see? And the Red Ark, because at the time when the ones who came out with it said that, it'll be get used to it, it's going to be here forever. Here's what Brzezinski said. Persisting social crisis... Well, it's, it's environment, oh, it's the weather, oh, it's this, it's that, oh, it's, you know. And he says, the emergence of a charismatic personality. Hmm? You're always given the ones that are charismatic today. They're trained just like you train actors or stars, you see. And the exploitation of mass media to obtain public confidence would be the stepping stones in the piecemeal transformation of the United States into a highly controlled society. Well, you're, you're here, folks. You're here. They give you the people to follow. They do. And with politicians, and politicians have no... Simple slogans, right? That's what they give you. The, the, the marketers give you a character. They give you a fake personality to say, oh, this is this is past and all that. They give you a fake personality. To me, you think you know them. Just like a, a pop star, you know? And then they give them slogans to, to spout. And the, the speeches are written for them. That's, that's how simple it is. Tell them what they want to hear. That's it. But getting back to this controlled technotronic system, eh? There's not a week goes by that you, you don't have all the articles on it. So the Electronic Privacy Information Center, based in Washington, D.C., filed an amicus brief that makes those allegations in the United States versus Wilson a federal appellate case, it says. It's concerning Google's scanning of billions of personal files for suspected unlawful content at the behest of the federal government, EPIC said in a statement late last month. U.S. government has increasingly utilized private entities such as Google, Facebook, and Apple to seize user data from cell phones and computers without the need for a warrant. Because these entities don't have to abide by the Fourth Amendment, agencies like the FBI can simply subpoena them for records like email messages en masse. Now, there's nothing new in this this article here. There would be, I can remember reading articles years ago on the same thing. Because, of course, that's what's going to be used for. Right? And often they didn't have to even subpoena them. They could just ask them. I can remember there was somebody way up at Google years ago on television, many years ago. Uh, saying that, oh yeah, it's routine just to hand them over if they want this and want that, you know. So I'll put uh, so I'll put that up too, because it ties in with the Technotronic era, right? And Amazon's Alexa reviewers reportedly have access to customer home addresses. It was reported Amazon has thousands of employees listening to conversations that users have with the company's voice assistant, Alexa. As it turns out, some of those employees may have access to more than just audio recordings. 
Some members of the Alexa running team have access to location data, including the latitude and longitude of users, according to a report from Bloomberg. Of course they do. You're in the continuous surveillance system. That's the technotronic era. You're here. You're here, yeah. And then now there's, there's cameras going to be put out now that can guess your age and sex and a lot more to it as well. And uh, I'll put that up as well. We're, we're, we're really, we buy our spies, don't we? They should give us it all for free. But if you gave us for free, it would be like the Soviets used to be very suspicious. You wouldn't trust them. But you make you buy them. You say, well, I chose to buy this. It's my, it's my personal this. It's my personal that. You know, personal computer. Remember that one? <laughs> personal computer. The whole planet is looking at whatever you're doing. It's your personal computer. Good marketing, though. And then also, how they're pushing drones, these small drones with cameras. With, uh, they're across the, the country now. And they always put out these little PR pieces. How, oh, they, they can, they, they've helped catch so many criminals by using these tools and so on and all that nonsense. Just like the cameras in Britain. There's more stabbings and, and slaughterings every day there and robberies. And they can't help, they can't even go after the people who, they can't even find the people who are doing it. All well, these cameras, eh? It's not there for what they tell you it's there for. Also, sound cannons to disperse crowds. It says here that um, it feels like your head's going to pop. That's what they say when you get these sound cannons aimed at you. They talk. They give you an example, LRAD, to try and disperse a crowd. In Phoenix, of course, it was apparently when approval to purchase two of the same type of LRADs used in Pittsburgh, it says here. Hmm. Anyway, I'll put these articles up. Another one, too, police across the country are adding sonic weapons to their crowd control arsenal. Then... A little study, too, it doesn't really matter, because facts don't matter when it comes to agendas. And, but uh, electric vehicles emit more CO2 than diesel ones, German study shows, linked to the production of batteries. And the German enemy mixes in which coal still plays an important role, are taken into consideration. Electric vehicles emit 11% to 28% more than their diesel counterparts. That's quite a jump, 11 to 28% more than their diesel counterparts, according to the study. Uh, presented at the, uh, the Info Institute in Munich. Uh, so they talk about how how much stuff is released in the making of even just the batteries alone. And another thing too is Julian Assange. Of course, as you all know, you're hit with these these spells, big spells. I mean, 9-11 was a big spell. Everybody looked at the, t- the towers and a spell was cast over the world as it was intended to do, you know. Uh, you saw the shock and awe that they used on in the Middle East as well. Very important, and you can actually take it further with the shock and all. But uh, they, they actually use weaponry, uh, some of the advanced weaponry on uh, the soldiers in Iraq, for instance. It was admitted in newspapers at the time where they had used ELF weapons, and they were all stunned, all these troops just walking towards the... giving themselves up. They were in utter shock, really. Very stunned and confused. It was in the papers in Britain at the time. As you, as you live through this big, big agenda. But the, the whole thing with Julian Assange was a shock to the world to make sure that you all get the message that, that the, old, the old idea of having an internet where you could see what you wanted is over. It's really over. Especially if you only dig into anything that's going to upset or annoy the policymakers and the mind managers, that I call them. Because these, these behavioral insights teams, there's many different uh, levels of them. 
and they give you what you're supposed to think about and topics you're supposed to think about. And they'll even give the media topics to, 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 of trivia to dish out there too. You don't understand how your thoughts are totally controlled and given to you and managed. Jack C. Lull, the other Jacks, was more explicit in how it's done and how you're always given your opinions by expert techniques. And they guide you. You just follow them as you talk. And just like Darren Brown, you're guided to the, the, the conclusions he wants you to have. It's very simple. Very simple and very effective techniques. It doesn't dawn you to get lied to and coerced and manipulated, does it? It doesn't really. And people will actually fight you if you showed them how they're led to their conclusions. They get angry, furious. They think they're in charge of themselves. It's very disturbing to have it pointed out and proven to you that you're not. So I'll put up an article on Assange as the... It's really for the public to, to scare the public even more, saying, well, you better shut up and behave yourself. And blah, 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 blah. You know, that's how it's done. <laughs> and all media, too. All the media is compliant with all of this, because they, they all know, all the journalists know what to say and what not to say now. They don't want to lose their jobs. And they're, you know, they can give you opinions and stuff. You don't get news anymore, you get opinion pieces, which are generally pretty safe, you know, on different things. You, you, you see, the, the age of being told things that, that, that should concern us, so we would at least have a pretense of democracy and, and complain, are, are gone. You won't be told about anything until it's actually happened and, and laws have been passed and, and new subsections of, of subsections so-and-so has all be, have been added to. They're even bored telling you now. That, that is the new governance, you see. That's what they mean by it. So I'll put up UN expert Warren Assange arrest exposes him to risk of serious human rights violation. Another one too is to do with this is an interesting one. The Home Office investigate this is a Britain. It's investigated over student visa cheat claims. It's quite interesting actually. But there's nothing new in it. I've seen it in different countries myself. But uh since the government, the British government, is, is being investigated over its decision to cancel 36,000 student visas due to accusations of cheating on English language tests. The Home Office has also deported more than 1,000 people after its own probe into exam fraud began in 2014. Australia's got the same problem. Suspending watchdog at the National Audit Office said the Home Office's response would be reviewed after its decisions came under public scrutiny. And it says, uh, it says here, the Home Office revoked the student visas where there was evidence of cheating, but decisions have come under new public and parliamentary scrutiny. It says here, the cheating scandal keeping light an undercover BBC panorama investigation into fraud at two centres administering the mandatory language tests for, for, for students, you see. The then government approved test of English for international communication involves a written and oral section and a separate multiple choice question paper. Following the report, Theresa May, then Home Secretary, said the evidence was very shocking. It says, as a result, the Home Office ordered the US firm providing the exams education testing service to check more than 58,000 tests taken between 2011 and 2014. It said voice recognition software suggested that proxy test takers were used in more than 30,000 cases. This is a common thing. There's people from, from the Far East, for instance, uh, who, who get licenses and so on in Canada that haven't even arrived here yet. For driving, for instance. 
So the proxy folk take their tests for them and so on. That was even for years ago, that was happening here. But uh, now you've got students doing it. I'm sure the students have been doing this for a long, long time. And other ones stand in and, and do their tests for them. And the voice recognition software is picking it up. It's not the people who are taking the tests that are actually, who have actually taken the test. It's other people standing in for them. It said technology extracts biometric features from an individual's speech to create a voice print, the vocal equivalent of a fingerprint. We've all, it's all been done in all of us too. It's when you phone someone, they're all kept and analysed and they've got your voice prints. Uh, so anywhere across the world that you go to phone uh, and use any, any phone, doesn't matter. They can, and pretty well instantly they can tell who, who it is and where you're, where you're calling from, but definitely where, who you are. And then you have Microsoft employees question if diversity is important and slam the tech giants discriminatory hiring against, against Asian and white men on an internal online messaging board meant for communicating with CEO Satya Nadelli. So folk are, are, who work in Microsoft are, are questioning this policy and some of the, the things put on the board, in the employees board, were by women who worked there uh, talking about uh, it's mainly Asian and white men who are being discriminated against. And the women who complained and put the complaints that are being hammered too by other ones because it is the agenda to hammer men in the first place, I suppose. Uh, and uh, you understand uh, things are allowed. They're not just allowed. They're being promoted to discriminate, you know. And uh, that is the agenda, of course. You, you can't have selective discrimination. It's no different than saying that certain folk are allowed to hate others, but not the rest of them. You see, it's the same thing. You got to have a quality means equality, folks. It really does. You can't have this sort of thing going on. Of course, you can. These two posts have been heavily argued. Were written by a female Microsoft program manager. One of the posts questioned Microsoft pushed to hire more women and minorities, arguing that it discriminates against white and Asian men. And there's a backlash against this person that complained. It's just astonishing. Everybody's in their camp now. They've all been trained through university and college into a camp. And they don't even know that themselves. How they're getting used. Also, this article ties in with something I've been thinking about for a while, actually. But it says, National Health Service doctor in Britain and a UK pharmacist who became Nazi-style torturers for ISIS team of vile medics took organs from prisoners and gave them to wounded terrorists. So they went over to work with uh, ISIS from Britain. I guess they were educated in Britain too. And this is when there was a doctor who left behind his wife and two children in Sheffield and travelled to Syria. And he's appointed the terror group's health minister for ISIS, the government believes. And another one is still hiding out in Baghouz. But anyway, they both worked together and took organs out and sold other organs too, naturally. There's, 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 there's something for you. It tells you a lot. <laughs> yeah. You don't know how great it is in, in a country that has some civilization and rights for people. We're losing it all, but rights for people. You couldn't, you'd never think of doing that in your own countries where, you, where you've got law and order. As the universities are churning out, as I say, massive armies to destroy your system, <laughs> where do you want to go to? Because huh? when you look at what you have in peace uh, to, to an extent, well, some countries are going down the tubes fast. Like Britain, it stabbings every day. 
and incredible organized crime too in Britain now. But then when you go into the countries where, you, where folk are literally selling organs, killing folk and selling organs, and then using other organs they would take out of prisoners and put them in other prisoners' cells just to terrorize them. Just the organs, you put the organs in like a heart in their cell or whatever, you know. And they ran a 10-man medical team, I tell you. And they also did chemical tests on prisoners for poisons and stuff about him. There you go. There you go. When life becomes so cheap, folks, you know, you're as well as going off. If you you can be a hermit somewhere, go and do it. When life becomes that cheap, because living amongst people won't even be tolerable. Maybe very short, too. A Canadian watchdog finds last year's Cambridge Analytica data harvesting scandal broke its privacy laws, so they're going after it again uh, from Canada's side. So, th- again, this is all part of the new system of hyper-surveillance, as Jack Satali called it. And you've all been trained that it's quite normal. A lot of youngsters are so trained in it from school and from, from growing up in it, they do think it's normal. Hmm. Another thing, too, to do with the super cities that they talked about with the big... Uh, uh, you, you literally have the, the elimination of nation states. And Tally talked about that too, quite openly. He said they're obsolete, actually. But uh, yeah, yeah, and then you'd have these super cities, like the, like the defence think tanks for Britain have I've published them before, put them up before when they publish them to the public. You can get all those things. Interesting to see what they see for the future from the from the military think tank point of view. And, and they do publish, at least they have a public version, I'm sure there's a private version too. But Silicon Valley could be the second richest country in the world, which would mean it would have to be a massive city-state, you know. And it tells you how wealthy that whole area is, basically. And how it's just behind all producing Qatar, etc. And they could call it the Republic of Silicon Valley. Interesting, eh? Another one too. Again, I'll put up the article to do with Syria and how they've destroyed the, the, the economy and everything through massive war. Which is, I guess, his job done, eh? They can do, use economics to, along with uh, forcing them to fight and forcing them to defend themselves and forcing, forcing, etc. Until they're destitute, which of course is what Brzezinski and Kissinger said they'd love it to, had to be eventually, is just Stone Age, just like Iraq and all the rest, these liberated countries. Eh? Ex-Google manager Tristan Harris says tech giants are downgrading humanity. Established the Center for Humane Technology after leaving Google to push his time well spent mantra. He says basically that uh, it's really serious we're not fooling around and that we're, we're, we're raised a generation of people with short attention spans, outrage-fueled dialogue and smartphone addiction and vanity. Well, that's the, nar- the narcissistic system. They said they'd bring in, actually, a long ago, long before you were given the computer. They had the computer, but you weren't. <laughs> and they said they'd bring in a narcissistic society as part of the phase. And here we are. And he says, it's overwhelming who we are and our identities. That's what it's doing, it's overwhelming us. Harris said, he says, well, we Upgrading machines, we have been downgrading our humanity. No kidding. Hmm. But again, that was what was to be done. And uh, Julian Huxley mentioned that. They have to knock man off his pedestal. And, of course, that's when they brought in the, the horrible art. Anything was with beauty had to be destroyed in your culture. 
and even music was downgraded into, into a, basically a slide until you hit the bottom. And here we are. There you go. All happens because, because it's planned that way. That's the reason why it happens. And a technology campaigners offer plan to fight human downgrading. It'd be interesting to see where that goes because uh, I can't see it. It's a big agenda. And they never give up, give up power over the people now. You know, we are, as I say, we are. We are just like the Matrix said. We are energy units. Just compare that we, with Marx again, right? Back to Marx. And all wealth comes from the, from the labor, the people. We, we are the we are the business. The people are the business. Hmm? Same thing. Doesn't happen by itself. Planned long ago. Yeah? And just to get back to, to how they've destroyed nation after nation by war had many, many side effects, not planned in advance, of course, but it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, Britain now had an article in the paper <laughs> where a gang, organized crime, with, with those terrible mopeds, they're not mopeds, these are not mopeds. Moped has pedals as well as a motor, a little a few 50cc, these are 500cc machines, they're not mopeds. And that, these are the ones that, where the guys steal the cell phones from passers-bys and so on. And, and, and anyway, they, they actually got a van as well, a big truck, and uh, probably stole that too, and smashed it into a, a jewellery store in England and left it in there so they could get past the truck into the store. You see, smashed right through it. And the, the guys with, the, with their, their bikes, uh, their motorbikes basically, their early scooters we used to call them, Made off with over a, was over a million, million and a half pounds or something worth of stuff. All well organised. And haven't caught any yet. Probably, probably won't actually. That's Britain. But that, that's law. It's just a mess now. And folk are terrified in the big cities because all the stabbings and machetes and stuff. And anyway, they've also got, to, it says the UK is the EU, the European Union's gonorrhea hotspot. Britain is to blame for 55% of cases with 49,000 Britons diagnosed with STI, sexually transmitted infections. You've got diseases because it's sound more ominous, but just now since infection. In 2017, as experts warned, dating apps are behind a spike across the continent. Dating apps? No kidding you. Hmm? Wow. Hmm. So it rose to, to almost 90,000 and, and uh, one year, I guess, there are now 22.2 cases of God a year per 100,000 people in the EU. And it's a bigger story, of course, but mind you, a lot of it's not reported too. You get non-specific urethritis and and, uh, and and not everybody will report it to. In fact, a lot of different doctors now for different groups will, will keep it all quiet for different groups and, and to be very careful about it too. So yeah, Britain's definitely up there with a, a lot of mess. That's just the one thing. They have all kinds of diseases too to do with sex, of course. But that it shows you that um, Britain truly is, and that the F word, eh? yeah, finished. That's what I was going to say. And that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Anyway, I've prattled on too long tonight, as, as always. And it's been a, a bit round the pond, you might say, uh, not just uh, straight from here to there. It's, it's just that. that uh, the major thing is, I've always stressed that whatever happens today was planned long ago, on any big scale. Number two, there's lots of agencies running your lives to make you what you think is you. 
and you truly are a product to a great extent with far less control over what comes into your mind and becomes an opinion. You have far less control than you think about it. It's, it's, it's consistent every day. And on the internet now, which is a massive tool, massive tool, with, again, behavioral insights teams and and uh, oh, thousands of, of behaviorists and neuroscientists working with all the agencies that work on you to make you into what they want you to be. It's just astonishing how it's all done so perfectly. But again, I'll put up that, that little link to Darren Brown's show on how to create basically a gang or a hit squad or whatever it happens to be or a, or a robber squad or criminals uh, quite easily in no time at all. And it's a microcosm of how early it was happening on a mass, much larger scale on a daily basis by techniques that you don't even, even, you're not even aware are getting used on you. It's very sad, you know. Even in a con, in a con, when you're being conned by a confidence trickster, you have to participate in your own delusion of what you're going to get out of it. Oh, you're going to, if, if you put money into that, my God, yeah, you're going to win a million dollars. Really? Oh, yes, you are. Etc. You know, it's something like that, and uh, you have to participate. But the techniques are used on us all, the con us all. Uh, we're, we're generally unaware they're even happening to us at the time. When you see how many folk now automatically fill every survey out that's given to them, even through the internet, just automatically without a thought. Buff, 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 buff. The likes and dislikes—that's how they've already admitted they, they, they can tell so much about you. And then if you didn't like something, and your ex might be all did, what will it show them about you? And how can they work on you to, to modify you into the behavior that they want you to have? You see, that, that should take note of all these things. It's all automatic. It's, there's not a person just sitting watching you. This is done automatically by, by massive computer systems. On all of us. All the time. This is a technotronic society. We're in it. And as I say, like Bertrand Russell said a long time ago, you'll keep saying that you're free because your government will tell you you are. You're the best in the world. As you have institutions all set up using massive NGO armies, making them radicals to destroy the safeties that you have in your own country, like I mentioned earlier. You better start thinking about this and deciding what is valuable in your own society and try to reclaim what you've lost. Because if you don't reclaim it, you won't have anything left to, to hold on to shortly. And that's true. Because big, big agendas are set forth for all of us, all across the whole planet. And again, getting back to Jack Satali, who was really in there with the big banking boys. He knew them all. He even wrote a book on, on the Warburgs and praised them for creating modern finance to an extent, investing in banking. And he said that the future would be run by massive international bankers. Economics would rule us all. Anyway, from myself, Alan Watcher, Ontario, Canada, where I don't think winter is finished yet because <laughs> of global warming, it's good night. I mean, your God, all your gods go with you. <laughs>